Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the NASM CPT podcast. This will be an encore presentation. And in this episode, we explored balance and its relation to every phase of the OPT model. I'll explain why I incorporate these strategies and techniques into each person I work with and the most effective ways to use these components to challenge and help you reach your client's goals. Enjoy this encore presentation and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast, National Academy of Sports Medicine for certified personal trainers. Thank you for your time. I'm happy you're here. And I want to share a story with you before we get into the meat of what we're going to be talking about today. And it's a story about my my dad. And it was several years ago, I was home for the holidays. And uh, dad says something to me about not liking taking out the trash. And I thought, there's nothing unusual about that, dad. Don't feel left out. That's normal. I know you don't like taking out the trash. That's why you had three children so we could do it for years and you didn't have to. But then we're gone. And dad's got to take out the trash. But that's not why he didn't like taking out the trash. Because when I questioned him about it, he goes, well, son, my balance has got, we, he, we're from Alabama. So I, I'm going to Alabama on you for a moment here with my dad. He says, my, my balance has gotten so bad that I'll roll the garbage can up the hill to the street. And then I'll turn around and look down the hill and I'll get so nervous to walk down without holding on to anything. I walk back with the trash. I take the trash back down the hill. And I thought, Dad, that's not good. That's not a good story. Um, so I asked him to do me a favor. I said, stand on two legs. And then I want you to put your feet together. And then if you can, just pick one of your, your feet up. And he, he attempted to do this. The attempt was there. He tried it. And so he starts to pick up one leg and he has a hard time. He's a lot of shaking, the trepidation of pulling one of his feet up. And I thought, my goodness, that's that we're not we're not in a good place right now. I said, well, let me see on the other side. Well, you know, when some you ask somebody to do something that's challenging bilaterally, they always choose the good side first. So the other side not even close. It wasn't even close. He didn't even pull his heel off the ground. He just said, I can't do it. Now you talk about not considering the importance of things that you can do until you cannot do them anymore. And balance is one of those things. Balance is one of those senses that we have. It's ability to coordinate movement. We have joints, stacked on top of joints, stacked on top of joints, all the way through our kinetic chain. Each of those joints have ranges of motion, most of which, at least subtly, are going to take place in all three planes of movement. So we've got multi-plane joints on top of uh, biplanal joints, on top of single-plane joints in some instances, and they stack up on top of each other. And here's the thing. We have to use our brain, our nervous system, to control what are called the degrees of freedom. So if I have a lot of degrees of freedom at my ankle, right, and then uh, I have all of my feet bones that are 
contributing and they have degrees of freedom. And then my knee and my hip and my SI joint and then vertebra on top of vertebra all the way up. We have to control the degrees of freedom. And in motor learning, there's something called the degrees of freedom problem. It is a, a, a difficult task to stack and balance joints on top of each other. Well, that challenge is there, but we learn it. We learn it a little bit over time, but it can also be lost over time. And I have a, a client that was sent to me by an athletic trainer, I believe at the um, Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he lives in New York. He was working with this guy's daughter. Anyway, he, sent, he said, I know somebody in New York that, that you can work with. So I started working with this gentleman, uh, an older gentleman, but losing a sense of balance. My father, losing a sense of balance. That's a challenging, challenging experience for people. The in, Balance is in every single phase of the OPT model because the developers of the OPT model and NASM see the value of balance. The problem is if you already feel like you have balance, you don't ever feel that there's an issue that you need to train balance for. So what we're gonna to talk today about is balance training and the OPT model and how to progress your balance training. Now, a lot of people don't like to add balance training into their, their workouts because they don't think it feels like a workout. And the reason you don't think it feels like a workout is because you've never trained with me before. Because I incorporate balance into every single program that I do with every single person. And almost every single session will have balance components to it. Why? Because it's challenging and it's necessary. Plus, I have a story about my dad and I have another client. And I think about that and I think about my own balance and how that's been challenging through the years in certain phases where I have had some dysfunctions with my foot and ankle complex, with my hip, that made balance challenging for me. And if I didn't address it early, then it would be progressively poorer now. But now working on the balance, strengthening my feet, and my hip, my lumbopelvic hip complex, I now have good balance, decent balance, and progressing in a positive direction balance. And people will tell you stories about <laughs> balance, right? So we're gonna start off with balance stabilization. And I love this because I used to do it, and I think it's kind of funny where we say, well, why, why would I practice balance? And hopefully these stories kind of show a good reason why, but but trainers and educators are going to tell you strange things as if they're going to magically save your life by uh, by doing balance training, by doing this, right? So they will say things, well, let's say you're walking around and you slip on a patch of ice or you slip on an oil slick that a villain laid down or a banana peel suddenly appears. And now you hit that banana peel, that oil slick, the patch of ice. Now what's going to happen? Well, I don't care how good you are at balance. If your feet are no longer underneath you, unless balance training can also teach you how to levitate or float, then you might still fall. Those are dangerous situations that no matter how many single leg multiplanar reaches you do, if you slip on something, you increase the propensity of falling. 
So why do I do balance training? Well, other people will tell you that running is on one leg and walking is mostly on one leg. And all of those things are true. And that's what's challenging when I work with clients that don't have good balance. It's that very, very short time that they spend on one leg and then the other leg. But when you look at the gait cycle, the majority of the time is spent on a single leg. And we get the hips start to shift or the arch flattens or uh, a valgus starts to take place and it throws off the kinetic chain. And all of that work that we did on controlling our degrees of freedom, when one of those joints shift multiple degrees or even all the way down at the foot, degrees of freedom start getting thwarted, then everything on top of it has to adjust as well. That takes a long time to, to figure out. So here's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at balance exercises. And the first exercise I want to look at is strengthening the feet, which isn't itself a balance exercise, it's just a supportive exercise for strengthening the smaller muscles in the feet, make your foot stronger. And I've talked about this on the show before that our feet tend to not be strong. Our, our feet in our society tend to be quite weak because we put shoes on our children's feet before they can even start walking. We keep shoes on their feet, our feet in general. And we know when we cast any joint, any muscle, when we put a cast on it, it starts to atrophy. Well, I'm, I'm 43 years old right now. I've had foot atrophy taking place for 43 years because I've always had shoes on. So now taking those shoes off and people going, whoa, look at those flat feet. So flat, pancake foot, so flat. Well, let's start to strengthen the feet so we can help support the balance. We'll have to strengthen the hips a lot to help support the balance. So one of the things I, I try to do is have people just practice foot supinations. And supinating the foot is, is where we're actually trying to um, raise the arch. And you can actually use your hip muscles to strengthen the foot muscles. Because a lot of times, if you have flat feet, you don't know what it means to strengthen your arch or to even create an arch. Why? Because you have no connection with what it's like to have an arch. So what I suggest is if you're sitting down, just to place your feet in a straight, pointing straight ahead in front of you, keep your big toe and your first metatarsal head the first metatarsal head is the, the joint at the base of the big toe. It is the ball of the foot, base of the big toe. Keep that pressed down onto the ground. Keep your big toe pushed hard down onto the ground. And then rotate your knees out towards your pinky toe. And as long as you're keeping your big toe and first metatarsal head down, then you'll start to cup your foot. People that are watching on the, the Facebook stream, the, the live stream, you can see my hands kind of mimicking that where we start to cup the foot. Now, what you don't want to do is allow the big toe and the first metatarsal head to come up where all you're doing is inverting your foot and your entire um, lateral surface of, of your foot is on the ground and none of the medial surface is on. Big toe stays down, first metatarsal head stays down as best as you can and just practice that. Practice that over and over. Knees turn out, but keep the foot pressed down. And so that's going to shorten the muscles. And because you're pushing the toe, first metatarsal head down, the muscles in the feet are going to start to strengthen. And then 
you can progress that more. Instead of sitting down, you can stand up. So now you have weight on top of your feet while you're doing that. You can put a mini loop around your knees, and as you press out towards the pinky toe or even beyond, now you're working your hips even more with your feet working. And that is a twofer for us because balance in large part is about stabilizing our hips and stabilizing our feet. And certainly our core needs to be stable on top of it as well. And then you can practice things like single leg stances. But as you practice your single leg stance, try to keep your foot slightly supinated. Activate the muscles in the feet. Now, if you have high arches, all of this stuff, or your clients have high arches, all of this stuff with practicing the, the, the feet and the supination and all that stuff, you don't have to do that because you're already supinated. You already have supination. But for those with flatter feet, pancake feet, strengthen those feet and practice the supinations. Then standing, single leg stance. Try doing a single leg stance and calf raises. Go up onto the ball of your feet. Let the heels come up off the ground. That's certainly a challenging exercise. You can practice single leg multi-planar reaches. So if I reach out to the front of me, what plane am I reaching into? The sagittal plane, not the frontal plane. The sagittal plane. So when you reach in front, it's the sagittal plane. When you reach out to the side, it's the frontal plane. I know that's tricky for a lot of people, but remember frontal plane means I can see every movement you're doing from the front. So if I reach out to the side, you can see that movement from the front. If I reach out to the front of me, then I start to block parts of my body. You don't really get to see what's going on because I'm moving in the sagittal plane. Frontal plane means I'm moving along the plane that you can see me clearly from the front. And then uh, a transverse plane. So it could be just standing on that single leg and rotating your pelvis on top of the leg into external and internal rotation. It could even be a 45 degree reach at an angle behind you. And even though that's not a transverse plane, it creates transverse forces on your hip and on your feet to try to stabilize you. And I like to do single leg arm runners. Standing on a single leg, don't do anything you like. Your legs are stable, but you are pumping your arms forward and backward like you're running. Now, what's interesting about this one is that your arms are moving in the sagittal plane. They are moving forward and backwards, up and down. So front and back, up and down. There's going to be a sagittal plane movement in the arms, but it's not a sagittal plane stabilization because as one arm goes forward and the other one goes backwards, you are creating a rotational force on your stance leg. And so that is a transverse plane stabilization exercise, even though your arms are moving in the sagittal plane. What? I love human movement science. I love human movement science. I find this to be fascinating. Well, what do all of these things have in common when we talk about balance stabilization exercise? What they have in common is that you're standing on your stance leg and that stance leg doesn't move. You are stabilizing and you have very little to no movement in your stance leg. That's balance stabilization. That's where we start. We start with the isometric stabilization in that stance leg. And you're going to feel it in your feet. You're going to feel it in your leg. You're going to feel it in your hips. These muscles are going to start working together 
and you're going to recognize it. So when we start doing these exercises, and what I do usually is I'll take a series of some of the exercises we talked about. Uh, another one I like is standing on a single leg and in the frontal plane, all you're doing is a hip drop and then a hip hike. Hip drop, hip hike. And I'll do all of these. I'll say 30 seconds, let's practice uh, single leg frontal plane reach. Good, now let's practice the single leg hip hop, hip drops on the same side. So all of this is, let's say we're standing on our right leg. So hip hop, hip drop on the uh, right leg. And then I might do the single uh, leg arm runners still on the right leg. That's a 30 seconds each. That's a minute and a half. I'm telling you right now, your clients are tapping out. Your clients are tapping out. Why? Because right now, today, if you're just jumping in, we're talking about balance training. Balance training in the OPT model, and we're talking about stabilization and about to move into our strength training balance exercises. Now, here's the thing. We set up all of our balance exercises right after our core. And if you follow NASM and the OPT model, you know that we like to do our core exercises in the beginning of the workout. Not fatiguing exercises where we're doing crunches and extensions and side bends and rotations and, and now we can't use our core in the rest of the workout. What we're doing is strategically doing core activation exercises so that we can utilize that to function better when we do our resistance training. Well, that's what our balance training is doing too. Our balance training right after the core is going to now say, I've stabilized my core. Let me now stabilize my foot and ankle, my knee and my hip. And you will notice the stabilization happening. And it's nice to have the, the core stable and then stick it on top of the balance because that's, that's a nice additive. It's a, it's a good step to move that direction. Okay, so let's look at what it might look like. So those are examples of balance stabilization exercises. Remember, little to no movement of your stance leg. Well, what about balance strength exercise? Well, balance strength, that what this means is that we're doing balance training in the strength level of the OPT model. Well, how is this going to be any different? First of all, the balance... It, it's so brilliant. There's something just so brilliant in the simplicity of the OPT model. When you do balance training in strength, what you're doing is preloading. You are preparing the muscles that are about to work by doing balance exercises before doing a traditional lift. So balance strength training is going to be any traditional free weight exercise normally done with two legs but now done on a single leg. And we're not talking about machines here because if you just if you did a leg press and you just did it with one leg, that's not a balance exercise. There's nothing about that that is balancing. It's just limiting your, your pressing platform. We're talking about any traditional free weight exercise that you would be doing. So what are some examples of traditional free weight exercises you'd be doing with your legs? All right, squats. Cool, single leg squat. Deadlift, cool, single leg deadlift. Romanian deadlift, cool, let's go with that. Um, I would say that the uh, Bulgarian split squat, the one where you pop your uh, back leg up on, on something, could be a good prep, could be a good warm-up exercise, and that's, that's really a single leg exercise with a kickstand. 
In fact, I like doing RDLs sometimes. And instead of only standing on one leg, if I feel the balance is getting really challenging, then I just put the tip of my toe down on my other leg, the one that should be up. I just put the tip of my toe down just to give me a little bit more balance, to give me a kickstand to work with it. So I have several clients and I tell people, pick your foot up, don't lift it up, don't put it far behind you, just have it slightly next to the leg that you're using that's on the ground, lift it up, and then put your foot on the ground when you need it. And if you need it there the entire time, leave it there the entire time. That's your balance training. You can't start practicing things that you can't do. You can only really practice things well that you can do. So do what you can and progress from there. Step ups. But instead of step ups, we'd say step up to balance. So you'd maybe step up onto a step and instead of both feet uh, meeting at the top of the platform, as you step up, then bring, bring that leg up. So you're stepping up to balance a lunge to balance, a reverse lunge to balance, multiple plane lunge to step to balance, but there is balance there and they're challenging strength training exercises, but we're not really using any weight. We're just doing exercises to prepare the body. And you'll, you'll notice them becoming acutely aware that we're working these muscles. The challenges are very nice, they are as difficult as you need to make them for your clients. And then you can tack exercise after exercise in uh, supersetting or compounding, and you can put together a circuit of exercises there. All right, well, we talked about balance in the stabilization. Little to no movement of the stance leg. What about balance strength? Remember, balance strength. Movement of the stance leg, any traditional free weight exercise that you could do on two legs, you'd now be doing on a single leg, focused, slow, deliberate movement. And now we move to the next level, final level in the OPT model, which is the power phase, the power level in the OPT model. Well, what are we going to do in the power level of the OPT model? Well, what we would say is that you are going to either do a hop or a bound with a three to five second hold upon landing. So you're practicing landing mechanics on a single leg. All right. Well, you said a hop or a bound. I don't know what the difference between those are. All right, here we go. A hop is when you're on one leg. So let's say your right leg. A hop is when you jump off of that leg and you land back on that leg. That's a hop. What's a bound then? A bound is when you jump off, let's say your right leg again, and then you hop, jump, you bound. A bound is when you move over to the other leg. Well, what's a jump? A jump is when you leave from two feet. So a hop or a bound with a three to five second hold upon landing. And I will tell you, like, it can be challenging just staying in place doing this particular exercise. But when you start traveling, when you start, even sagittal plane can be tricky. But my goodness, when you start switching into the frontal plane, so you are bounding from one leg to the other leg in the frontal plane, even hopping same leg to same leg, 
and you do that in the frontal plane. Make that hop, hold it for three to five seconds, hop again. Now, here's what I do with my clients. I have them hop. Sometimes I'll count out loud. I'll say, we're going to go three seconds, one, two, three, hop. One, two, three, and then they hop again. What I might do is have them do it reactively, which means they have to react to me without me counting out loud. So when you're not counting out loud, they will start hopping and jumping and bounding without your permission because they're expecting you to say hop or bound. And, and you might even just say jump. But when you show them jump from one leg to this leg, it's a bound, but you might say that because that's a word that they're more familiar with. And then we teach them along the way. I, I like teaching my clients along the way. I like them knowing some of the jargon, some of the trainer talk. So that way, when they talk to other people and the people are like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, I'm surprised you don't know. Maybe I'll teach you a little something. I work with my trainer and we do this hopping and bounding. Well, I think they're great exercises. Here's another interesting one. I got this from Mr. Andy Hanley. And he's one of our um, NASM instructors. He's a performance specialist. And my goodness, he's a smart guy. And I love listening to his Irish accent. That was an awful thing, what I just did. <laughs> it was that, I'm Irish descent, but boy, that Irish accent's made up. So he does something called a jop. A jop is when you leave from two legs, but you land on one leg. So it is a jump and hop mixed together. And he also says that, you know, you can, you can flip it the other way where you can do a hump, which is a hop, a single leg jump to a hop to a two-legged landing, which would be a jump, right? So uh, it's interesting some of the stuff that's out there, the things you don't know until you learn from some people and you go, man, it's so simple and it's so brilliant. Hop in place with a hold, three to five seconds. Or you can think about this, hop in place, hold it, and then change planes of motion, call it, so that they have to pay attention to you. They don't jump until you say so, they may anticipate it, but they can't anticipate it because they don't know if you're gonna jump forward or backwards. They don't know if you're gonna jump left or right. They don't know if they want you to jump towards uh, three o'clock or nine o'clock in place. So you're gonna give out cues and they're gonna listen to you and they're gonna to react to your voice. It's another part of training too, is that reaction training. And don't forget when you're doing these jumps, you also want to coach people on landing mechanics. So um, ball to heel landing, soft landing, nobody's landing hard on these things. So now I can tell, my five-year-old is the loudest person in the house. He by far weighs less than anybody in our house. But when he gets out of the bed and he walks around, you can hear him everywhere. Just the heaviest feet for a little dude. We want soft feet. Soft feet. Talk about ninja training and loud ninjas. Don't get work. You're just not going to get employment if you're loud ninjas, so soften that up. Keep it quiet. And the other thing about soft landings is that when you can learn to absorb that and react with it, then that's called plyometrics. And you can't get plyometrics going with hard landings. You get those soft landings and then absorb and repeat.
absorb it and repeat, limiting the amateurization phase, which is how long you spend from when you touch the ground until you leave the ground again. Um, I want to talk about a couple more things, but as I'm talking about a few more things, if you are listening to the Facebook Live, so if you're on Facebook Live and you have questions about balance training and you would like to ask those questions, then please submit your questions now and our producer, Eric, will take care of this. Now, uh, Eric is a, a relatively newcomer as a producer on the show. I know that you may be familiar with Greg and hearing Greg's voice. I try to get Eric to speak up and he was like, nah, I'm just going to send you, <laughs> I'm just going to send you the question so I don't have to read it. Uh, Eric's been doing a great job. So if you have questions, then, then post those in and he'll forward them over to me. Um, you can also in the power phase, you can do hops for distance or bounds for distance. And if you've ever watched some people bounding, they do look like gazelles as they fly through the air with those bounds from one leg to the other. Sometimes and a lot of times bounding looks like it's going to turn into skipping and skipping's fine too. But remember, we're in a balance focused area. So we're not doing this for reactive. Um, so, so for specifically plyometric training or for speed, agility, quickness training, uh, impact training, amateurization training. We're simply doing it to land and hold so that you can focus on dynamic stabilization. We want to create dynamic stabilization so that when you land, we know you can stick your landing. So repeating hops and repeating bounds. All right, so I'm gonna do a little review of what we've talked about as we start to wrap this up. And what we're doing is depending on the level of the OPT model, depends on how you implement your pre-workout balance. And why I say pre-workout balance, I, I mean that this is your warm-up. This is all part of your warm-up. So if you follow the NASM OPT model, we have what are called components of a workout. And the first component might be flexibility training. So it could be foam rolling and stretching. And then, and depending on what phase, your foam rolling might be a little bit different and your stretching is going to look a little bit different. Your core exercise would be the next one. So you've got flexibility training, um, which could be foam rolling and stretching. We've got core training, balance training, plyometric training. Potentially you would be doing speed, agility, and quickness training all within their phases, all within a stabilization phase. So they look different than they look in the strength phase. They look different than they look in the, the power phase of training. But here's what balance looks like. Balance stabilization, 30, uh, 30 seconds, three to five seconds, uh, focused movement with um, little to no movement at the stance leg. Wow, I messed that up again. So you've got, I do 30 seconds of exercises. So it might be reaches. Some people do count, right? So reach the front, reach to the side, 15 reaches, 15 reaches, 10 reaches, eight reaches. I like to do timing. I like to do 30 seconds for stabilization training per exercise. And then I couple those together in a circuit on one leg, and then I'll repeat it on the other leg. Strength training is going to be a little bit different. Any traditional strength training exercise you can do on one leg uh, that you do on two legs, with free weights, you would do on a single leg 
with probably no weights. You could probably use some really light weights, but remember, it's a warm-up. It's a prep before you get to the resistance training. And then the final one is the three to five seconds uh, for the power training. So it is going to be uh, a jump, hop, or a bound, but then you will land on a single leg and hold that landing, stick that landing for three to five seconds. Hop or bound again, hold that landing three to five seconds to practice the dynamic stability. All right, Eric, just uh, pipe me through a question. I know that somebody's reached out. So if, uh, let's see your question right here. I'm gonna have to expand my screen. Please, can you repeat the difference between a hop, a bounce, step, and a jump? All right, so let's, uh, uh, let's go with a hop. Hop first. One leg, you leave the ground, and you land on the same leg. A bound is you leave the ground on your right leg, and you land on your left leg. You leave the ground on your left leg, you land on your right leg. That is a bound. So a hop, leave the ground on one leg, landing on the same leg. Bound, leave the ground on one leg, landing on the other leg. A jump, leaving the ground on two legs, landing on two legs. And then uh, you mentioned a step, and a step is just a step. It's when there's a platform and you step up onto it. Uh, a lunge is like a step, just without a platform. And then you can also lunge with your steps, which I had a client just this morning doing, where the, the step wasn't high enough. So when he stepped off of the platform, I had him drop down lower into a lunge position to come up into a step curl and overhead press. So I hope that was clear in answering your questions. And then I pointed out my friend Andy Hanley, who would talked about jops that is a jump from two legs and landing in a hop position which means landing on a single leg leaving with two landing on one leaving with two landing on one but how do we progress this i think the opt model does a great job in progressing progression stabilization into strength into some dynamic balance exercises um sometimes you will have clients that have some serious balance problems that you just need to refer them out to a neurologist. You need to refer them out to their physician so that they can have some other work done to see where that's coming from. So they shouldn't be coming to a personal trainer just to fix balance issues. Physical therapist may need to do it. There might be some inner ear issues. I had a, a challenge years ago where I was working with a deaf client and I'm going through the model. But when we got to the balance, it was very difficult because his inability for his inner ears to function appropriately made it very difficult for that individual to do any balance-related exercises. And balance is really closely uh, connected with the inner ear. So be aware of that. Be aware with the individuals that you're working with. All right, Eric, let's see if there's a, another question. All right, I didn't get the last person's name. Sorry about that. But uh, this is from from uh, Rocio uh, Blanco Fernandez. It says, hi, Rick. What's up? Uh, thank you for your amazing podcast and sharing your knowledge. God bless you, man. Um, I have a question. When training clients online and in their homes, they don't have balance props like balance beams or BOSU 
Um, how can we implement balance training apart from single leg exercises once they can do those with good form? Um, Rosie, that's a, that's a great, that's a really great idea. It's a, it's a great question. And here's simple ways to progress. Uh, if you want to add an unstable environment, so here's kind of the, the progression that you might look at where you have two feet on a stable environment and then practice a single leg in a stable and then practice maybe two legs unstable and then single leg unstable. One of the things you can do is if your clients have been training and doing balance exercises with their shoes on, have them take their shoes off because the moment those laces come off, that false stabilization where the feet is given artificial, the feet are given artificial strength because we have something locking them down. Now suddenly your feet have to do the work. And what? That's crazy challenging. Now what else? Well, if somebody's doing it on a hard surface, just transferring them onto a carpet is now more challenging. It requires far more stability. And I know because uh, I just got a, a carpeted area in a house and I have hardwood floors where I currently am usually. So doing balance exercise and this carpet is, is plush. And it is the worst thing to take all of those balance exercises I was doing on a hardwood floor and now doing them on that plush carpet because it's challenging. What else? You can use a pillow or a comforter or a towel or something a little bit softer that now the feet are gonna have to work harder in order to maintain that balance. So it's a great question. And these are simple like at-home hacks for balance stability training. So great question. Uh, another one. So Eric, what else we got? What else? All right, Allison Mayo, thank you so much. And it says, any tips or alterations for people with severe rheumatoid arthritis who have much smaller base of foot, uh, have a much smaller base of foot and more difficult balancing on one foot. Power phase perhaps needs to be excluded. I, I would say that if anybody can't do stabilization or strength, then they certainly don't need to be moving into that power phase. If they can't control it, um, then they don't need to be controlling it from a dynamic jump. So you're right about that, Allison. Allison, thank you so much for that question. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Is, uh, is a tricky one. So we know that that affects joints in a certain way and it can infect, uh, affect the feet, uh, oftentimes affects the knees. Rheumatoid arthritis, strangely, is always bilateral. So we know if it affects one side, it's going to affect the other side. It doesn't mean that both sides are going to flare up necessarily at the same time, but it's problematic. So you have a, it's a great point. So what do we do? Um, Maya Angelou said, we do the best we can with what we got. And when we learn better, we do better. And so I would say, limit your range of motion and still include the balance training into almost every session that you do with somebody. And remember, I, I just did three sets of 30 on each leg. That's a three minute block in a 60 minute session. So that's 5% of the entire time that you'd be working with somebody. Well, I want to challenge somebody's balance. And it can be frustrating for people. And so you want to mitigate the frustrations because you don't want people to get upset. But we want to make things accessible. So doing things like instead of maybe just standing on a single leg, 
have them do other exercises. Let's just make it easy. Bicep curls, right? Bicep curl. But we're going to give them a kickstand stance. Remember the, the single leg RDL we talked about where we kept one foot on the ground completely and the other one's tiptoes were touching the ground? So maybe we have them do bicep curls and they have one foot flat on the ground and the other one, the tiptoes are down on the ground. And it's a balance exercise, but we are also keeping one foot on the ground to help them maintain their stabilization. And all they're doing is focusing on the bicep curls. To them, that's the exercise. To use the personal trainer, you're like, nah, bicep curls are nice, but the exercise, the challenge that I want to challenge you on is to focus on your balance. I'm distracting you with the bicep curls because you don't like balance exercises. You like bicep curls, or you like a chest press, or a lat sweep. You do all of those things, and you incorporate the, the kickstand stance, so that they're now getting some balance training without focusing on their balance so much. And you can give them cues, you know, keep the foot arch, push that big toe down, squeeze your glute, keep your core engaged. You can do some things like that. Or you can just say, create your body like it's a, a tree, make it as strong and as solid as possible while you're doing your bicep, while you're doing those presses, while you're doing those sweeps or the rows or the pulls or the twists. It's a great question. It's a great question. I hope that that the rambling answer was at least something that you can utilize and use as consideration. Uh, I, Eric, I don't know if we have any more questions. If you want to just feed me some, if we've got any more left, and uh, and if not, then I'll start to to close out the session. So I want to thank everybody for listening. I do hope that this has been supportive for you, and most importantly, I hope it's supportive for your clients. So you can take some of the information and make application to the people it matters most to, your training clients. Thank you for your time. If you wanna reach out to me, I'm mostly available through social media on Instagram. You can hit me up at dr.rickritchie or you can email me at rick, R-I-C-K dot Richie, R-I-C-H-E-Y at nasm.org. Thank you for your time. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.